Thank you for listening to the Motion City Church podcast. As we continue to be called to go in the direction in which God is calling us to, we begin to enter a space of ambiguity about completing missions along our journey while at the same time having the strength of God by our side. So, as we kick off our new series, Go, where we take a practical look at missions, we have Blake Mays, who is here to speak to us today about the calling in which God has placed on his life, which is all about local missions. Let's listen in. Thank you, everybody. All right, so, um, well, now you guys all know me a little bit more, um, but for those of you who are listening online, um, my name is Blake, like Steve said. And I am obviously the local outreach director here at Motion City. Um, I have been a part of this church since, well, there was one day at North Central University where Steve was like kind of doing this thing like, hey, come see like what the church is about. And as I remember, it was, I think it was just me and Chad and maybe like one or two other people that showed up. Alexis, funny. <laughs> and now they're engaged. So um, yeah, there wasn't very many of us that showed up, but I remember they couldn't get the, the, the PowerPoint to work. They couldn't get the projector work, so ironic. Um, yeah, so this is an old-school, stripped-down service. But, yeah, I, I started with just trying to help them getting the projector to work, and I honestly had no intention of joining Motion City Church. I, I, I loved where I was, but as the more I thought about and prayed about it, I just knew that God was calling me um, back home to South Minneapolis. And actually, this last week, I moved back home from north to south, um, back home to South Minneapolis, and I'm just so happy and excited to be back. It's a five-minute drive. I'm always late, so it's, it's really nice. It's way harder to be late now. Um, now, it's pr- now it has to be pretty intentional for me to be late, so hold me to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Minneapolis has always been home to me, and specifically South Minneapolis, this neighborhood, these blocks, I've always considered home after spending the first four years of my life just a few blocks away on the other side of the highway. Um, and I just, I love being back. I, I went to school at North Central University. Uh, a big reason was God, A, God called me, but B, it was, it was back home to Minneapolis. Um, so I graduated last year with a journalism degree. I never, ever, ever thought that I would be on staff at a church. I, I always knew I wanted to be involved in a church plant in Minneapolis. I never thought it would be this soon, and I never thought I would be this involved. So I'm so happy to be here, though, you guys. I love this church and all of you guys so much and Sunday is the most important day of the week to me and I the more I think about it God is doing something so special in this community and and really all around the world but what I'm really going to be talking about today is local missions I'm going to take it from a lot of times when we think of missions it's like going overseas and serving you know orphans and and widows and people who don't have anything but really missions is is here and I know the local outreach guy talking about missions it's got to be a big surprise to you guys. Um, but seriously, as I've gone on some trips that have led me to stay whole summers in L.A. and Brooklyn, I've seen God work in so many different contexts. And I'm so convinced, now more than ever, that God is the God of the here, there, and everywhere. God's presence is not defined to a building or a region. He's with us always. Now, a lot of us, when we grow up, we think of church as this building that we go to. But as we see we meet in a school. And actually, I love meeting in the school. I, I hate hauling these stupid things up every Sunday um, when we're not able to leave it in here. That's my least favorite part of church. But, but I, I love being here because we get to be right in the middle of a neighborhood, right in the middle of the heart, which is the future, the children. We get to meet where they meet. And I love, love, love being here. I love that being kind of 
mobile forces us into homes. I, I just, I love that. And I love how this kind of, the weird paintings and stuff, like this becomes our church. I love that. So you might be thinking, so what is local missions? Well, since there isn't a Webster's Dictionary definition that a lot of pastors and stuff get to use as kind of a little bit of a crutch, kind of had to write my own, and here's what I came up with. Local missions is the church being involved in its community 24-7, 365, unintentionally and intentionally. It's ordinary people living out their everyday lives as testaments to God's love, compassion, and faithfulness. So what does that mean? And what does it look like? Who's called to it? I'll answer each of those questions by saying that we, as the body of Christ, are all called to local missions. And that means we should love our neighbors as ourselves. That's it. You guys can go home now. It's, I know it's pretty hot in here, so you can go. I'm kidding. Um, but we're going to take a look at our passage, which is Acts 6, 1 through 7. And normally I'd say it's going to be on the screen, so I'll give you guys a little bit of time to turn or turn on the app. But it's Acts 6, 1 through 7. So if you want to turn, I'm also going to read it. So don't feel like there's going to be a lot of awkward silence. Um, I see a lot of turning. All right, I'm going to go. So if you're not there, I guess listen up. Acts 6, 1 through 7. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, and this is where it's going to get hard, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, and Parmenius, and, oh, and Nicolai from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now there's a lot going on in this passage about the early church. Clearly things were not going perfectly. And this is important. Despite our best intentions, church has been and will always be messy because there are people involved. But that does not mean we give up on it. So what's the context of this passage? What's going on here? So to bring you back a little bit, to sum up extremely early church history, basically Jesus died, everybody got scared and hid, he came back and appeared to a bunch of people, told his disciples to tell everybody about him, went to heaven, his disciples started telling people about them. A bunch of people believed in Jesus on a day that they were all accused of being drunk. They went around healing people, doing miracles, and telling people about Jesus. They were persecuted and killed and arrested. And here's the most important part, besides sharing about Jesus. They shared everything. I have this in bold and all caps. They shared everything. In Acts chapter 4 we read, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. There was not a needy person among them. These earliest Christians lived in intense community and sold their homes and land and gave it all up for Jesus' name. However, it wasn't always pretty. It might sound nice, but living with people, like I said, is always messy and it always will be. 
Now, I'm not saying that we need to do this as Christians today. We don't need to, everybody, like, bring their stuff, like, right here, and then we all just kind of share. Well, it wouldn't work here, but we, we don't need to do that today. But we should absolutely embrace these principles in our daily lives. We should help each other, and yes, even or especially people outside the church whenever we can. Christianity would be so much more effective if we strove for unity and compassion rather than being right. All we need to do is work together and share, and, and we'll, we'll be so much more effective. All right, so you're, you're thinking, if, people, if everyone was being super cool with each other and sharing everything, why the heck were people getting upset about not getting enough? I mean, they were all sharing, right? Well, yes, they were sharing, but clearly not distributing among, equally among the believers. The Hellenists, or Grecian Jews, were Jews that spoke Greek, while the Hebrews were Jews that spoke Hebrew. Surprise, I know. This small difference clearly had major implications. There was serious resentment rising up in the church about how the poorest of the poor, which were widows in that day, were having their needs filled. Now, this doesn't mean that the people who were distributing were necessarily prejudiced. To me, it actually seems like they were just kind of giving stuff out and there wasn't a ton of oversight over what was happening. But quickly, there was resentment rising up and that was a problem that needed to be fixed. And one of the most important things that my mom ever taught me was, was that it does not always matter what you say, but really what matters is what you do. And what we say can easily be misconstrued by others. Our well-meaning intentions can quickly turn malicious in the eyes of others, and that ultimately can be what really matters. You can totally mean to say something super-duper kind, and it can just come off as creepy or weird, or you can... You, you can offer a word of correction, it can just totally cut somebody down. I mean, we do that all the time. And you just really, what we really have to do is be sensitive to other people's needs and backgrounds. Simple as, something as simple as saying that God is our good father can bring up a ton of pain for someone who did not have a good father growing up. That simple truth can quickly cut deep if we have that need that, that can only be filled by God. But if we haven't met him yet, it just cuts right to the soul. We must always strive to love others first over ourselves. This is what Jesus said when he, when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know about you guys, but I love myself. A lot even. But truly loving someone is putting someone's needs and wants above your own. Now let's get back to the passage. This issue could quickly have torn the early church apart. As I said earlier, widows were very low in this societal hierarchy because of the way that the society was set up. They often relied on remaining family to support them, and the church would quickly have been becoming their family. The apostles were doing some serious work in the community to reach them with the good news. As I said, they're going out, they're talking, they're preaching, they're teaching people, but things were slipping through the cracks. These amazing men that founded our early church, they were only men, and they needed help. Now, this is very important to people from all walks of life, but especially those in ministry. There's nothing wrong with admitting that you need help in delegating to others in ministry and in life. If anything, delegating and working together builds up team spirit. We cannot do anything alone. And clearly in this scenario, there needed to be more people who were skillfully equipped to deal with this very issue. The apostles, they knew Jesus. They knew his heart. They knew, his, they knew everything about him. They were with him every day for three years. Those were the guys who really needed to go out and teach because they learned from him. From th for three years. Like, I think I know Steve pretty well, but I don't spend every waking moment with him. Thankfully. No, no offense, dude. 
Um, but like these guys that were chosen, these seven men, were the perfect men for the task. As it says, like the, the issues quickly got dispelled because these, everyone was like, yeah, these guys are the guys who are going to be fair. These guys are the guys who are going to do what's right. Now, I, like you, probably zone out anytime there are a bunch of names listed, especially names that are hard to pronounce in the Bible. But these guys were no ordinary men. They were set aside by the original disciples to do the first local missions. And yes, I believe that this is the first example of local missions, as we like to define it, and care about their blossoming community. They were very important men indeed. And one of them, Stephen, would give perhaps the best defense of our faith in history while he was on trial for his life. Now here's what's important. We might be like, wow, those days were awesome. Those were the good old days. We need to get back to that. But I've heard Steve say this a few times. And as a church, we need to stop longing to be an Acts church. A, society is completely different now. If we tried to do what they did, it just, it, it would be hard to get that to work. But what we also forget is this early church was filled, filled with problems. Paul had to write literal chapters of books to address some of the problems that the church faced. It was not perfect under any circumstances. The people were flawed, and their leaders most certainly were messed up. I mean, some of their most prominent leaders murdered Christians, and another one denied Jesus a few times on the biggest night of his life. Thankfully, we just have to deal with Steve. I kid, I kid. (laughs) But seriously, church is messy because we are inherently messy. But through the grace of God, he can work miracles through a broken, fallen humanity. This summer, as, as I've been ready to preach, and this is my first sermon, so in the first speech I've ever completely scripted out, so thanks for bearing with me. Um, but this community, as I look out and I see all of you guys, I just, I feel so at home. And, and it's just crazy to me to think that just a couple of years ago, we were meeting like once a week in the Nylons house and just talking about what church could look like. And now there's all of these, honestly, random people who never would have, who I never would have met and who never would have met each other otherwise that have just come from nothing but a vision and a dream that God laid on his people's hearts. And that's just amazing to think about to me. I mean, just in a couple years, there's been lifelong friendships, mentoring opportunities, and there's so many great learning experiences that have come from, like, literally nothing. And as we begin to push into the fall and continue to reach out to the community, we will see God work his faithfulness even greater. And that brings me to my final point. In this passage, we have seen how the beginning of the church, as we, since the beginning of the church as we know it, God has been bringing people together from all different backgrounds to form an amazing community. And as we've talked about, like any community, this one often has flaws. Sometimes overwhelming, painful flaws. However, we should not give up on being a part of a faith community just because of the brokenness of people. Last summer when I went to Brooklyn, I felt like I was on the verge of giving up on church. And it wasn't, honestly, it was nothing that happened here. It was just, I was kind of tired of dealing with Christians and their brokenness. And, and there, I, just, I just felt really hurt by a lot of different things. And I was just like, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to just kind of take a step back and just kind of, kind of just get with God by myself. But that, I mean, that was, that's a dangerous mentality. Because like, as I served like the greater church overall in Brooklyn, I just began to realize how amazing it was to be a part of something that brings people from every single background together. I mean, as the, as the North, 
as a Western church, we think of church as this very specific thing. But there are people all around the world meeting in so many different ways, contexts, and situations. And, and when we get all to get together in heaven, I mean, we're going to have that beauty of that background, but we're all one together. And so as I would like work with the different youth groups from all across the country, all, all of them came in from, and, and YouthWorks, the organization that I work for, is a, it's a non-denominal organization. You can be from any kind of Christianity, and they will have you gratefully. And, and we, we wanted to be a part of that, as like people like to say, the big C church or the greater church overall. And, and honestly, as, as, as every group would come in, every single week would be different. There'd be Catholics, Lutherans, Pentecostals, like, Baptist, anything, anything you can think of, they came, and it was always going to be like, it was always so interesting, like, because a lot of times on the outside, we're like, oh crap, there's going to be like Catholics and Baptists and Lutherans, like, what are we going to do? And that was never an issue, and it was because we all came together and served, and sometimes I was like, how do these people who practice their faith in so many different ways, how is this going to work? But when we went out and we served the community of Brooklyn, that just quickly fell by the wayside because we saw the needs of the community and we wanted to fill them. And sometimes it was like, how do we worship even the same God? Because we all do it differently. But that's the beauty in the church. That we all come to God differently and experience him differently. It's the same as any relationship. We all relate to other people differently. Some of us have friends that we just hang out with. Some of us have friends that we might love to talk to. And still others that we just, we just go and do things with, like... And, and then others that we just literally spend our lives with. Like, those are the people that are close to us. But everybody relates to a different person differently. I might be super close with one person. You might not know that person. Or you might talk to them in a different way than I do. And a, as we go deeper in our relationship with other people, though, that is really parallel to our relationship with God. We all come to our Heavenly Father differently. Some of us come and we talk to people in like a really excited way and some of us are just kind of more low-key. And that shapes how we come to God, I think. And we should see different denominations in the same way. We might not ag- agree 100% with every single other denomination, but as long as the core of our faith is the same, we can work together to serve our community. I really don't think it's worth our time to debate endlessly over the minutia of our faith. I think that when we get to heaven... God is honestly going to laugh at us and just be like, none of you guys understood because I believe that we're all wrong in some way. So really what the important thing is, believe what you believe, but come at it with humility, especially when it comes to relating with other people in your faith because that is, we, we put up barriers by ourselves. God doesn't want us to be divided in certain ways like we are the body of Christ. So we should all be able to come together. And, and when he welcomes us in, we're all going to be one. We're all going to worship like in our own ways, but also differently. So we can definitely work together while we're here. So what does this mean for the church? This church. As we figure out, continue to figure out ways to reach our community, we must strive to work together across denominational backgrounds. The world will start to believe us more if we can even pretend to work together. Fake it until you make it, right? No one wants to be a part of a clearly broken and fractured group. When we think about the wonderful city that we are here to serve, it is much better to serve together than alone. We will continue to work together and find ways to be more effective with all of the gifts and talents that we all bring to the table. And as we've seen, different people have been given 
different gifts to serve their church and the community. The apostles were working daily to evangelize. They were the guys going out, talking, teaching, preaching. Those were the guys. That, they were equipped to do that. And there were others that were equipped to do that. But they also needed to be seven people to divide up all the things that everybody shared. Everybody's been di- given a different gift. One of the most like, powerful ways that I've ever seen that is when I spend a summer in L.A. with the Dream Center. And the Dream Center started as literally the guy who founded it put his desk he came to L.A. To wanting, wanting to be a pastor, and no one was coming to his church. He was like, what do I do? So he put his desk on the sidewalk. Like, literally just put it out on the sidewalk. It was kind of in the way. He had his phone out there. Everything was all set up. And he just waited for people to come by and ask him how they could help. And then over time, slowly over time, like the Dream Center has over 40 different ministries and ways that they serve the community of Los Angeles. And then, and then slowly, like, this church started building up. So then they were like, what do we do? And so then an opportunity came to move into this other building, and now they have the Dream Center, which is kind of their outreach and really literally filling the needs of the community. Like, they have a motto, find a need, fill it, hear a hurt, heal it. And, and, and that's what they do. If, they, if, some, if their need comes up in the community that they hear about, they will find a way to help the community in that way. But then they also have the church who brings those new believers into them and teaches them and, and builds them up with other people that are like them or connects them with mentoring opportunities. Like, and and that's, that's really the model that we see here in Acts 6 is some people are out there helping people day to day and other people are teaching and preaching and leading. And, and that's what we need as a church. That's really the, the only way that we can continue to be effective because if church is just Sunday morning... That's really not going to do much. And that's why we do all the small groups and the city groups and, and all these opportunities to go out and serve is because Sunday is not church. This is Sunday service, but church is, is every day. Um, so what does this mean in the life of the believer today? I, find, I strongly, strongly encourage you to find some way to give back to the community you've been planted in. Not everyone's equipped to help the homeless, and that's Okay. In order for any ministry to work, there have to be people behind the scenes making the finances work. Events need to be planned. Items and money need to be donated. There needs to be professionals donating their time and expertise. There needs to be young people giving their time and energy. And we also need older people to give us wisdom and experience. Not one of us can do it alone. So that's kind of the broad picture. But what can we do every day? We can talk to the cashier that rings us up. Make them feel like a person, not just a cog in getting what you want. If you have money, tip who's ever serving you. Maybe you aren't comfortable giving money to the homeless. You certainly can give time, prayer, food, or a conversation. That often means much more than money. Talk to your neighbor. Pray with your neighbor. Ask them how you can help them. Let them know that you care. And life is full of unexpected surprises. So keep your heart open to what God will put in front of you. Last spring as I was leaving church and I was getting into my car, I saw an old man who had groceries on his walker fall onto the sidewalk literally on the corner right over there. Now I e- could very easily have ignored him and gone back to, the sc- gone back to school and work on all the homework that I, I had that day. But my friend, my sister, and I decided to help him up and we offered to give him a ride home which was just down the block. As we helped him, we learned that his name was Norman and he'd been living in the neighborhood for over 40 years. We also learned that his lifelong wife had recently passed away and he was having a hard time getting along by himself and getting up to his home on the second floor. 
He was also really sad. But we were able to show him God's love just by helping him. And when he asked us why we helped him, we said that we believed in God and that he would help Norman if he was there. And he did, through our hands and our feet. He was there with us, and he was there with Norman when he fell. And, he was, and he's been with Norman for the last year. And Norman smiled, and he said that though it might not seem like it sometimes, there are still good people in this world. Did we share the gospel with him that day? Explicitly, no. We didn't. We didn't specifically walk him through like a sinner's prayer, take him down the Romans road or whatever. But the gospel is not simply truly believing in Christ. Sometimes we have to plant seeds of the good news, which can be as simple as smiling at someone or helping somebody home. As the body of the church, we must be agents of God's kindness in our community. We must, be, we must do everything possible to be the opposite of the super judgmental, hypocritical Christians that the world has come to know and, and see and consequently has rejected. We must prove that we love someone. We'll ne- or sorry, we'll never prove that we love someone unless we do much more than preach fire and brimstone. We must muddle through everyday life with people. We must be there in the good times and the bad. That's how we prove ourselves to people, that we love them. And that's how we'll reach them. It's super easy for us to want the church to grow to extraordinary numbers or to become the next Hillsong and record worship albums. But we must always love our community because that will go much farther in the long run. And I, I think about this church and what we've always talked about is never, we've never really had like a model. Like even from day one, it wasn't like, let's figure out what's going to grow the church the fastest. Let's, let's figure out what our community wants and needs and let's meet that. Every single decision that I feel like we've ever talked about is reaching our community. So see your neighborhood as your missions field. You, like, when missionaries go overseas, their neighborhood is their missions field. So we're not going overseas, so our neighborhood is still our missions field. You do not need to go across the country or the world to make a difference. In fact, you can make a much bigger difference by being the smiling, caring, everyday face in your community because you're consistent. One of the biggest fears that I have often with missions trips is it's so easy to go somewhere and be like this radical, bold Christian because if you get rejected, what's the consequence? You go home and it's whatever. But being consistent, caring in our community goes so much farther because we're there every day. We're not leaving. There's not like, it's not like a 10-day trip. It's a however long trip. And And for me personally, I hope... I never leave South Minneapolis again. I, I came back earlier this week, and I, I don't want to go ever again. So love the community that you've been planted in, wherever it is. Make yourself known in the local businesses and in the parks. Love people, especially, especially if they don't deserve it. There's nothing more powerful than loving someone when they don't deserve it. As Motion City Church and all our banners say, we are committed to making the name of Jesus famous one life at a time. In our local community, to do that, we are developing partnerships, like the one with Ace in the City and with Sheridan Story, to serve people in our community that need it. And that's the amazing thing about being Christian. We'll never, feel, we'll never fill all the needs. There will always be needs. There will always be work. And there will always be opportunities to serve. And as long as I'm here, I will be making those opportunities possible. And I'll be connecting, I'll be bothering you, and I'll have an announcement on, on the screen every Sunday 
because I care about this community. There will always be needs in everyday situations. So if you can, August 13th, like you'd honestly have to sign up today or just let me know and I'll hook you up with the right thing. But in Powderhorn, just a few blocks away, um, Ace in the City, as you guys have heard, is doing their big back-to-school event. So if you can serve then, like, you know, that'd be awesome. But if you can't, um, every single month, stay tuned to our One Thing campaign to learn what cheap, simple item you can bless someone with through our wonderful partners. Again, we're not trying to do it alone. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. There are people out there who are so much better connected than we are to the community. And if we can come alongside them and help them and serve them, that's what we're going to do. And seriously, look at this church as, as your missions field. I strongly believe that in the next few months, there will be so many new faces coming through the doors and finding Christ in this school building. And, and like Steve said, and like, like we keep saying, we need help. We'll keep getting it done. But investing in this community, there, there will be so much, you will feel so much more a part of it if, you're, if you serve with us. And I'm not saying like you have to serve with us. But I'm saying, like, for me personally, the more I've served, the more I've come to love the community. So if you can, serve. The work is always, like I said, the work is always going to be great, but there's always going to be a need for more people. So serve how you can. Find a nonprofit down the street from you and help them. And it doesn't even need to be, like, a faith-based organization or whatever. Sometimes we get so concerned with preaching the gospel that we forget to serve people where we are. When I worked with the Dream Center, we strongly believed in feeding people before we preached the gospel so they could focus on the gospel and not their growling stomachs. So you don't always have to be like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all the time. A lot of times, it's a lot better to build a relationship and show that you care and then maybe like sneaking it in. But you don't even have to do that. Sometimes just being an awesome, smiling, caring person works. So just serve the people that you see every day. So to boil this whole thing down, as Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than this. So you're probably thinking, what now? Well, like I said, we can't go alone. We must go together. But what we really need is the Holy Spirit. So as the worship team comes up, let's pray for strength and unity from the Holy Spirit. So I'll pray. Dear God, God, I, th- I thank you so much for the opportunity to share what, what you've put on your heart for this community, God. And God, I just pray that, that we would just remember your faithfulness to us in all the situations that we're in, God. And when we're just walking down the street and there's someone walking their dog, God, I just pray that we would just smile at them. And when opportunities come up, God, I pray that you would just Give us the strength to resist our weaker tendencies, God, and resist the opportunity to just kind of think that someone else can do it, God. God, I pray that you would just, you just make us good neighbors. You just show us how to be a good neighbor to people. When, when people think about their block, God, I pray that they would be like, oh yeah, the people that live there, I like those people. God, would you just give us so many so many ways to just love people because you love them so much more than we do. God, would you just use us? Use us, Lord. 
In your name I pray. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Motion City Church Podcast. We hope to see you next week as we continue our series, Go!, where we take a practical look at missions. We gather Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at Falwell School of Performing Arts. We hope you have a fantastic week.